Hello everyone and welcome to the first ever uh, episode one of the Ball and Chain podcast uh, where we will be talking about and covering the state of cryptocurrencies, blockchain, and sports betting. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Zen Sports, which is the peer-to-peer sports betting marketplace where anybody can come in and create and accept sports bets with anyone else in the world without the need for a centralized bookmaker. I'm actually Mark Thomas, the co-founder and CEO of Zen Sports. Uh, you can download the app uh, from the App Store if you're on iOS, uh, Zen Sports, all one word. Or if you're on Android, you can download the app uh, from the Zen Sports website, uh, which is at zensports.com. Uh, so yeah, as I mentioned, this is the first ever episode of our Ball and Chain podcast. Super excited. Uh, we are coming to you live from our headquarters in San Francisco uh, in the South of Market District. We work right next to the uh, Salesforce Tower, the newly built Salesforce Tower, which is now the tallest building in San Francisco. And uh, yeah, so what is this podcast all about and what, what are we looking to do here? <clears throat> so, um, you know, being the co-founder and CEO of a sports betting product, which uses cryptocurrencies, uh, one of the really cool things that we have found is that we've really kind of hit on something big here where sports betting um, looks like it's uh, turning out to be one of the first best use cases of this new and nascent technology uh, called blockchain and called cryptocurrencies. Um, we're going to be diving into a lot of the kind of definitional uh, topics today of, you know, what is blockchain, what is crypto, what is sports betting here in our first podcast. And as we go along into uh, other podcasts in the future, we'll, of course, expand into, you know, more in-depth um, analyses and topics within that. Uh, but we want to kind of set some context and set some groundwork today um, that will hopefully, you know, pave the way for our uh, future podcasts that we do. Uh, and really, our job here is to to educate and entertain. Uh, we want to help educate the world on what blockchain, what crypto, and what sports betting is all about and how they all tie in together, as well as uh, hopefully entertain you and bring some laughs uh, to the table. Um, and, you know, why we're doing this is we just really believe that um, this concept of, of decentralization, where you eliminate the middleman, and that's what blockchain is all about, is really the future. And we want people to understand how powerful this technology can be uh, and why the old way of doing things with traditional middlemen, whether they be banks or financial institutions or in the case of sports betting bookmakers, um, you know, really just that doesn't make sense anymore. That's just not the future. Uh, you don't need a middleman where you pay huge fees to uh, somebody uh, to provide a service that technology uh, such as blockchain can do automatically. And uh, so we're really excited to be touching on some of the topics that we will be. And um, yeah, just just really excited to get started. So um, our first guest that we have here on our very first episode of uh, the Ball and Chain podcast is uh, Jess Udi, who is um, an investor actually in Zen Sports and is also a avid crypto enthusiast, crypto sports better, and user of uh, the Zen Sports product. And uh, just super, super excited to have him. I thought he'd be the first perfect guest um, because he kind of loves and touches on all the areas that uh, I just mentioned and that we're all about here. Um, so yeah, without further ado, we will uh, welcome Jess uh, into, the, into the podcast. How's it going, Jess? It's good. Thanks for having me, man. Awesome. Awesome. So why don't we touch on first... Um, 
kind of how you and I actually met because that actually sets the stage for uh, really everything else that we just talked about and, and how that fits in together. So, um, so I'll kind of start here. So I remember uh, basically starting to trade crypto. I bought my first Bitcoin or I should say my first 0.7 of Bitcoin in December of 2017. I knew nothing, nothing about cryptocurrencies or blockchain when I did that. I just saw the price going up and up and up and up. And it was, I believe, at $16,000 a Bitcoin uh, when I first bought my first 0.7 of it. Um, So kind of curious, actually, before we met, like, how did you get into crypto uh, and or blockchain? Um, And then we'll get into more about how we met. Uh, That's actually funny. I guess in all the like the two years now that we've known each other, I don't think we've ever had this conversation. Uh, my experience starting out in crypto was almost the exact same as yours. I think I think it was about sixteen thousand when I bought the first Bitcoin. Uh, I ended up. Uh, so, so you were you were you were an early adopter like me. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly as early as it gets, uh, and uh, I ended up jumping into a ton of alts. And like you, like I worked with a few guys at the company I was at who who were just like throwing names out here. And I was just like, oh, sounds good. So I just started dumping money into it. It started going up and I was feeling I was feeling pretty good about it until <laughs> until once it hit about 20, uh, we had the crash. And I think that's how we both ended up in that uh, little group that we did. Yeah. So um, let's touch on that for a second. So for those of you that may not know or that aren't big crypto enthusiasts, so you have Bitcoin, which is the queen bee uh, of, uh, of cryptocurrencies. It was the first one ever created uh, by Satoshi uh, back in, I believe, very, very early 2009 um, in response to the financial crisis. And, um, and then since that time, there have been other cryptocurrencies that have come along um, because the notion that Bitcoin should be the only non-government uh, currency out there, basically uh, founders like ourselves said, hey, uh, there can be other applications for uh, cryptocurrencies. And so um, other quote unquote alternative coins have come about since then. And um, so that's what Jess is referring to there. So what do you remember which altcoins you were buying? Like before, okay, before you and I uh, got into the cryptocurrency trading group, which we'll talk about, which altcoins were you in and trading? Oh man, quite a bit. Um, uh, right off the bat, like one of the altcoins I was in pretty big for a while uh, was Icon or ICX, which is actually the, the foundation that Zen Sports is built on, correct? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that was definitely one. There was one uh, like deep brain chain, there's Ripple, there's uh, um, Tron. Like I- I uh, GVT too for a while? What's that? Were you in GVT also for a while? Yes. Yes. GVT. I was in GVT. Um, yeah. I, uh, I was moving a lot around. I would try to follow the charts. Uh, and this is kind of where it started is- I got really into the concept of uh, like like Fibonacci's and and just like chart reading in general, and it started to really intrigue me on on just like an interest level, and so it was something that I really loved doing, and I, uh, I mean especially as things were going, I was jumping from coin to coin. I've as far as I I don't know where uh, Binance is right now. Haven't followed it a ton lately, but as far as uh, back in in uh, early 2019, late 2018, I was, I had probably traded about every coin on Binance at that point. Wow. Wow. Well, so, and you're going to remember this, but, but even before I met you, 
pretty much the well the two only two alts that I really ever bought at all before I joined the, the trading group, which I promise we will get to, um, was uh, a couple weeks after I bought my first point seven of Bitcoin. Um, I was buying a ton of XRP. And it's crazy because I bought it at like, I think it was between $1.50 and $2 and it ultimately hit a peak of three and I could have sold it. And I did sell it at a okay profit, but I waited until it came way back down to like $1.70 something um, because that, that baby was on a run. That baby was on a tear for a long time. A um, little bit of Tron, but the other big one that I was really into was fun, fun fair. And so I, I remember fun fair. You yeah. love fun fair. So here's the reason why, and this is like part of the, ridiculous craze back then of this, um, of the, you know, the ICO boom and the post ICO boom of when they were being traded on exchanges was I love the concept of using cryptocurrency for an online casino, which is what Funfair was. So Funfair is building a, an Ethereum based token, or they built an Ethereum based token that, um, could be used by casinos, uh, to basically act as casino chips. And the reason why I thought the concept was so genius is because, you had a lot of these online casinos that would rip people off, right? You deposit funds, never get it back. Or who knows if the game is fair? I mean, they could be stacking the odds way in their favor on these digital blackjack games, right? You don't know. There's no dealer there and no real physical card. So you don't know. And they could just be flipping over 21 every time if they want for themselves. Well, the point of Funfair was was the chips, but it was also the, the random number generator was also on Ethereum. And so it would be a, it was a provably fair system for seeing that, hey, that really was what the outcome of that, again, say hand at blackjack was. And I, I just love, love the concept of that. And I thought that that was ingenious. And of course, little did we know that that would set the stage for what we eventually started doing with Zen Sports. Um, but I also really love the founder, Jez. Um, he was actually the creator of Firefox, which was a video game for Nintendo way back in the day. So I was like, look, you have this really awesome team. They're doing something super ingenious. And so I actually was not just trying to buy into some quote unquote shit coin. I actually really loved the business behind it. Um, but they were doing it in a different way than Zen Sports does. Zen Sports is direct to consumer. Funfair is direct to operators. And I mean, are you really going to be able to sell operators on changing the way their business is going? Mm, I don't know. I mean, that, that, that's a hard sell. It's proven to be a hard sell for them. Yeah. Whereas if they had just built their own online casino and just done this, I think they might have done pretty well. But anyway, so that leads into you and I meeting, which is about March of 2018. So almost two years ago uh, from the day of this podcast. And we joined this trading group uh, with this uh, guy, <laughs> uh, Lachlan, uh, out of Australia, who uh, was going to teach us all TA technical analysis for trading cryptocurrencies. So uh, why don't you tell us how that went? <laughs> I, I will say uh, we, we got into fun interesting stuff to uh to touch on here <laughs> <laughs> so uh we got in the group uh uh lachlan uh did a great job at losing us all a bunch of money we also had to, <laughs> we also had to pay to be a part of that so mark and i were essentially paying this guy to lose us money uh which was pretty fun in and of itself uh but what came from that is uh the the format was actually on uh, like a chat group it was on telegram and uh i guess i guess that's why he asked me i i was pretty vocal on the chat uh but so was mark and uh he kind of stuck out to me as somebody who knew his stuff 
And he was always uh, kind of just what he touched on. He was always uh, talking about fun fair, but he was also talking about practical use cases for you're talking about me. What's that? You're talking about me or Lachlan? No, no, I'm talking about you. Lachlan, I moved on from Lachlan. He was awful. That's the gist about him. Uh, Can I say something about that? that? I actually, I actually liked him at the beginning. Like I liked the fact that he was like doing webinars and trying to teach everybody TA, but he actually almost wouldn't practice what he preached. Right. He would just be like, okay, everyone's just going to get into Tron and just sit in that for like four weeks. And it's like, dude, you're like, that's not TA. That's (laughs) like TA means you're like actually you know, looking at the charts and making calls each day or each week, not just say sit in this coin for the next month. And then we'd all hop into Tron and uh, it would just steadily decline. And he would always just be like, nope, just wait, just wait, just wait. <laughs> and the more we waited, the more we lost. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that was so bad. Um, yeah, and I, so I, I fell for a... Um, uh, I'll never forget this. I fell for, uh, God, which one was it now? I can't even remember. Was it Elf or was it, oh man, I forgot. I fell for some uh, pump and dump on one. I'll never forget this. I fell for some pump and dump on a Sunday back in May of 2018. And I said, that's it. I said, I'm done trading alts. Like this is just, this is just too much of a, who knows what. And so I'm like, that's it for me. I'm out. I'm, I'm changing the way I'm doing this. I still wanted to trade, but I said, I'm going to start trading Bitcoin only. And then that's when I met Credible Crypto on, on Twitter. And that went pretty well, which I can talk about. But um, what did you do after you left Lachlan's group? Did you stop trading altogether? Or? Well, yeah, pretty much. So this is how it happened. I, I was mentioned earlier, Mark, uh, you kind of stuck out to me as uh, as somebody who who just knew what he was talking about more. Like like even about crypto, I like how you were looking for things that had practical use cases. Because like back in that time, it was it was like somebody would come up with anything with no product backing uh, at all. And it was just speculation and money being dumped into it, it was crazy. Right. And so I liked kind of your uh, outlook on the uh, the space in general. And so one day I actually reached out to Mark uh, on kind of a DM on there. And I was just like, Hey, like you, you sound like a guy who knows his stuff. Like I'm, I'm looking, I was looking at starting a business at that time. And uh, I knew Mark had just based off conversations we had in the group. Uh, so we actually got on a call and he took, uh, he took about an hour and a half with me, which was really awesome at the time. And, uh, kind of just gave me some advice. And ever since then, we've actually been in really close contact. And so I was actually in the group still until Mark reached out to me one day and said, Hey, my company, which I knew about it, it was Zen Sports at the time. And I really liked the concept. And I actually started using the app before it was even part of uh, like the crypto space. Uh, but he reached out to me and said, Hey, I am starting a, a coin um, for my company here at Zen Sports. And I said, I'm in. So I literally took everything that I had left in crypto at that point, threw it at Mark one because I trusted him and I loved the concept and the practical use case that this was going to bring to kind of the crypto space. And so that that's what I've been doing literally ever since that group. I just put everything into Zen Sports and I've kind of been riding it. Awesome. Well, first of all, thank you for that. Uh, I really appreciate that. Um, and yeah, let's, let's tell the audience kind of what happened there. So we originally with Zen Sports um, started out as a very different concept. We were a meetup recreational sports app, helping connect people to meet up to play sports, both for money and for fun. And there was no cryptocurrency component to it. It was strictly just credit cards. 
And it, if you want to think like leagues, tournaments, pickup games, <clears throat> registering for leagues, registering for tournaments, um, you could uh, at one point challenge people to play for money uh, as well through our app. But mostly, most of the payment money aspect came through uh, leagues and tournaments. And we launched that in February of 2017. And by May of 2018, you know, we had tried a few different things to really monetize and grow the product. And rec sports is hard because people are like, yeah, I love it. Let's, let's go play. And they go play tennis or bowling or pool three times one week and they don't go back again for three months. And so it's tough to get repeat usage out of it. So we just felt it was tough to monetize. And then by that point, I had been six months into crypto and the U.S. Supreme Court struck down PASPA, which is the uh, federal ban on sports betting. And I, I, we had not much money in the bank at that point. And I turned to my co-founder. I said, we got we to gotta change what we're doing. We can't do the rec sports thing anymore. It's not going to work out. We're not going to grow into a big business that way. And we're a technology company. And we got to grow. And I said, you know what we need to do? I said, we need to do sports betting. And we need to do it using cryptocurrencies uh, to eliminate the bookmaker and eliminate the need for fin approval from financial institutions to fund gambling or, or betting accounts. And that's what we did. And so we opened up a, a what's called a, a SAFT, which is a simple agreement for future tokens and equity. Uh, so registered with the SEC, uh, well, not registered, but a Form D, uh, uh, Rig D filed with the SEC for that. And uh, so we started fundraising for that. And so you were one of the first investors in that SAFT um, that put money in. And then we raised a little over $400,000 over about five months with the notion that we were going to use that funding to go do a, uh, we were going to originally do an ICO, but then, you know, the SEC was cracking down on stuff like that. And then we decided to do a security token and a security token offering. Um, so yeah, first of all, appreciate you getting in. Um, and, and it was interesting with the security token offering. I mean, that really was the, the kind of precipice for us where we decided to do everything kind of, you know, by the books, um, you know, from a legal perspective. So like all the legal filings for the security token offering. Um, and then we'll talk more about the separate utility token that we created, but let's talk about the security token offering. So we closed that 400,000 or so funding by end of September. So again, about, over about four months back in 2018. And then I'm sitting here jet setting around the world, literally trying to use that money to go and raise much larger money um, from much larger, wealthier investors in the crypto space. And it could not have been any worse timing. So I don't know if you remember this, Jess, but, um, you know, we're about to do our, uh, uh, the first kickoff of our STO, the first week of December. And about a week and a half before that, Bitcoin crashed from like 6,500 down to like 3,200. Oh yeah. And that, that was like, it's, that was like, it's low that it has been since then. But yeah, I remember thinking to myself when you were doing it, because you were like, okay, this is when we're going to close our round and Bitcoin crash. And I was like, so many people were down on it. Cause so many people had lost so much money. And I was like, this is literally like some of the worst timing ever. Yeah, I know. I mean, it was like, we could not have literally planned a worse time to do it. And then, and then, you know, two weeks later is the holidays. I mean, people aren't thinking about buying crypto at the bottom of the market. They're thinking about friends and family and presents and all that other stuff. And so it's just, oh my God. I mean, I, 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 and, and here I am literally, this was, this was my two months from the end of October to, or middle October to mid December. I had, uh, this was my itinerary, uh, New York, Canada, whatever, no big deal. Then uh, uh, South Africa, Italy. I, I, I flew 24 hours to South Africa from San Francisco. And then two days later, I had to get on a plane from South Africa to Italy. 
And then a day later, get on a plane back from Italy to San Francisco. A week later, fly to Taiwan, uh, where I was there for four days, then fly back. Then uh, I went to Malta, I'm sorry, Bulgaria, Malta, and Geneva, Switzerland for three weeks, flew back home for two days, and then flew to Dubai for three days. <laughs> and then flew back home. I'm just like, good God. Yeah, and, th- and this whole time, uh, I'm sitting here in Utah, uh, just watching you go. <laughs> I know. You're seeing all my email updates. Well, that trip didn't turn out into much. And oh, yeah, uh, Bitcoin markets are down, but we're still going to do our token. Uh, security hey, token. honestly, though, honestly, though, as an investor, like seeing the updates and the work you were putting in, like it just gave me like the ultimate confidence. Like I, I, I never have been worried for one second uh, being an investor in this company just based off the work ethic that I've seen from from like the leadership here. I really appreciate that. Like, I mean, you know, and when people ask me, what is the number one trait that defines an entrepreneur or a co-founder? I absolutely, I I don't even hesitate to say it's, it's, it's resiliency. You can not let the little shit get you down because, and we're going to talk more about this too, with, with this kind of, with, with sports betting and cryptocurrencies and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I mean, we have roadblocks put up in front of us left, right, and center. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Like every day I look at a new roadblock and you just can't let it get you down. For sure. For so, sure. Um, cool. Okay. So yeah. So uh, just to kind of, you know, uh, tie a, a bow around that. So then we decided to go back to the drawing board on Zen Sports and we, um, you know, went back to saying, hey, let's just focus on the product. Uh, forget the security token offering. Let's just, let's just, let's just deliver a great sports betting experience to consumers using cryptocurrencies. So now as we get into kind of that combination, let's take a step back before we get into all that and talk about in general what, you know, blockchain and cryptocurrencies are. Um, and then we'll, we'll get into, uh, you know, how that all ties in together with sports betting. So, um, so blockchain in general, um, for those that are not aware, is think of it like uh, an accounting ledger but that's not being run or managed by an accountant. It's literally being run and managed by an entire network of generally what are called nodes, but um, of, of people within the network who are managing or verifying transactions as they get sent. So for example, I could send you funds just, let's say I sent you Bitcoin. Um, I'll send you 0.1 Bitcoin, which now is like 800 bucks. If I send you that, instead of, uh, going through a traditional financial institution for clearing. Um, like say, if I sent you an ACH payment, that would have to go through a clearing house through the central you know, bank or the central reserve before the funds got to you. And that can then take one to three days. Uh, same thing with credit card payments. Uh, wire transfers are faster, but still not instant. If I send you funds in Bitcoin, you're basically going to get the money, uh, depending on the number of confirmations, you're going to get the money between 10 and 30 minutes. Um, and that's because it's being run by a distributed ledger that doesn't have to answer to one person, but is still verifiable um, and is still uh, legitimate um, because what's called the double spending problem has been solved for by these very complex algorithms. And basically these nodes on the blockchain, they solve, for example, at Bitcoin, um, they solve these very complex algorithms to then verify the transactions they go through and, and then you get your money. So I'm just kind of curious, like what has been your 
overall like impression of the concept of blockchain, the decentralized nature of it, um, you know, getting getting money in minutes rather than days. Just kind of curious, like what, like, okay, so you've been in blockchain or cryptocurrencies for about as long as I have, a little bit over two years. You know, what is it, what is your perception of it now? Like, what are your thoughts around this concept of blockchain technology? Um, so my thoughts on it, personally, I love it. That's why I started to get into it in the first place. The concept was was always really appealing to me. And I think I I think it has a lot of different use cases. Like outside of just the currency, uh, I think it has a ton of different use cases. Like uh, Zen Sports is one of those examples, but there's a ton of other people uh, doing a lot of different things with the blockchain. That's awesome. Um, so I'm definitely a believer in it, and I think it is uh, it's something that's uh, going to continue to grow. Uh, but as far as right now, it seems like public uh, like understanding and acceptance of it um is a little behind mm-hmm. so let's talk about that for a second because i think that's a very big misnomer among people they automatically equate and think that cryptocurrencies are synonymous with blockchain that's actually not the case so cryptocurrencies are one of the applications of blockchain so if you think of what i just described with the movement of money that gets done via what are called smart contracts um, or again the distributed ledger and smart contracts really are what takes care of everything on the blockchain. And the smart contract says, hey, if this happens, do X, Y, Z, right? And so cryptocurrencies or moving and transferring money via cryptocurrencies is just one application of that. But you could set up a smart contract to transfer real estate title rights, or you could use cryptocurrency, or excuse me, you could use blockchain uh, for uh, tickets to a ball game if you wanted. Um, where you're basically saying, hey, no middleman, we want this all on this provable ledger. And, and so, you know, I know we were talking before about, uh, you know, trust. Um, since all blockchain transactions actually are publicly available on block explorers or basically publicly available websites, you can't, you can't fake it. You can't say, oh, I sent you that money and you really didn't because you can go online and see that it wasn't there. So what are your thoughts around the whole trust and transparency of being able to go and like verify that everything happened on the blockchain? Well, I think that's huge. I think that I think that's the biggest concept to begin with with it is is there are so many like things out there that are handling and and transferring and taking care of our money that we don't have a public ledger for and we're not able to uh like verify everything that's happening behind the scenes whereas with the blockchain like you can do transactions or do different things or or whatever it is that you're doing on the blockchain and have complete trust that it's going to be what was agreed to right and here's the other part and so this is this is i think i think the part that i love the best is the decentralized nature where there's no middleman saying this can or cannot be done so if i send you funds okay you are guaranteed to get them without any question. There's not going to be, oh, the bank rejected this transaction or the financial institution doesn't approve of what you are doing. Okay. It really is the closest thing to actually giving somebody cash like you would if you were face to face with them. Um, More so than anything else out there, more so than credit cards, more so than ACH, more so than Venmo. Those things still have somebody in the middle saying you can't or cannot do that. Blockchain does not. Okay. Now, of course, then people go, well, then it can be used for illegal stuff. Well, so can cash. 
I have bad news for you. Guess what is the most prolific means of, you know, illegal transactions? It's not credit cards, it's cash. So my argument when people make that argument or my rebuttal to that is, uh, well, it's no worse than cash. So at least it's a digital form of cash. At least you can see that transaction in the blockchain. Uh, you can't see somebody handing, you can't see a drug dealer handing somebody cash in the back alley. There's no proof of that, right? Yeah, for sure. Hey, I, I've got a question for you because I, I mean, when you break it down like that and, and like I've, I've taken the time to understand it. And when you, I feel like when you understand what blockchain is, it makes sense. And the concept of it, like I feel should be widely accepted. What do you think is holding that back? Um, so I think, well, just in general, I mean, humans are <clears throat> creatures of habit. They don't like change. Uh, and, and if it's something they don't understand that is scary or it sounds scary, like when I say it's a distributed ledger or it's an accounting ledger, anybody that doesn't understand accounting or math or finance, they instantly just go, they turn their back on and go, no, I'm not interested in that. <clears throat> Even I would say, if you think about credit cards, right? For credit cards first came out, what, in the 50s or 1950s, 1960s? But it really wasn't until, I mean, early to mid 2000s that you could go anywhere and use your credit card. And now you literally can go anywhere and use your credit card. I don't know hardly. I mean, pretty much places have to post cash only if they're cash only, right? Um, you know, if they don't take credit cards. So I think there's always this kind of slow wave of adoption. Then once it, once it trickles, you know, far enough, then everyone does it. Um, <clears throat> I would say the only other technology piece that maybe scares people, which we haven't talked about yet, is the immutability factor. So all blockchain transactions are immutable. They cannot be reversed. So you walk into a movie theater and you buy something with your credit card, you could dispute, or somebody steals your credit card, I should say, and walks into a movie theater and buys it. You could dispute that charge with your credit card company and get that money reversed and back onto your card. And it's based on this concept of proof of identity, right? If, if, if it's not you using your card, it's as if the transaction never happened and it will get reversed. Blockchain is the exact opposite of it. And I come back to the, 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 the comparison to cash, right? If you walk into a movie theater with cash and you use it, there's no proof of identity. It's just, do you own that cash? You can use it. That's it. Bottom line. That's what blockchain is. So when you give somebody cash, you can't get it back. You can't come back a week later and say, oh, I dispute that charge. It's in the other person's hands. They've got it. And that's it. Um, with blockchain, it's the same thing. Once you send the funds, the other party has the money and you can't get it back unless they want to send it back to you. So, and there's of course a ton of advantages and disadvantages that, and I think unfortunately we're in a world where people like that convenience of being able to call somebody up and say, Hey, that wasn't me. Uh, or, uh, I made a mistake in this, or I didn't get the goods that I was promised, or they sent me something that was damaged. I want to dispute this. People want somebody to talk to and resolve their problems for them rather than just have ownership of what happened. And so I think you have some of that as well that plays into it, but it, there's advantages to it too, which is, Hey, when you, when you're a merchant and somebody pays you for something, you don't have to worry about chargebacks. I mean, I, and we can talk about this later, but with, with Zen sports, I mean, what if somebody loses a bet and wants to go back to the credit card company and dispute it? Well, they can't do that with crypto, right? Yeah, exactly. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do think there's some opportunities. I mean, this is maybe a topic for another podcast. I think there's some opportunities for maybe some, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe some kind of quasi uh, reversible transaction. So security tokens 
can be reversed because the SEC requires them. So you can actually create a smart contract to allow the sender to pull back the funds. You can create a smart contract to not allow the recipient to transfer the funds out. So that actually can be done. And I think maybe what you'll find maybe as some kind of happy compromise later on is, I don't know, you might have some like waiting period of a day or two. And then after that, or during that waiting period, it can be, you know, reversed or something. And then after that, it just can't be. So you might start to see some kind of um, smart contracts that, uh, that do that. But, um, but yeah, so, I mean, I think that's a really good overview of blockchain. So in talking about crypto, you know, we kind of talked about Bitcoin versus, you know, alternative coins out there. Um, we talked about like, you know, the market. Um, let's talk about, you know, kind of quickly the market today for crypto, and then we'll, we'll segue into sports betting here. Okay. So um, Bitcoin is about at the same price as literally two years ago when we were trading it, you know, in the eight to $10,000 range. Yep. Um, seems to struggle to get past 10,000. So what are your... What are your thoughts? Are you actively trading Bitcoin right now? Are you actively trading any crypto right now? Like, what do you do? You watch the markets? Um, do you like look for opportunity times and just jump in, or kind of what's what is your what is your perception of the state of of, of Bitcoin, altcoins, any cryptos right now? Um, and you know, kind of how you fit into all that, and what you're doing with them. Uh, you know, I mean, the perception right now is it, you're right. I mean, it's been it's been sticking in between eight and ten thousand for the past like couple months here. And so uh you really for the past couple of years really. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And so uh it's kind of it's kind of found like a, a spot here. I still think uh like personally that in the uh, it may be a year or two out, but I still think there's going to be another big push. Uh because I mean it all comes down to the belief that blockchain is going to be the future. And so with that mind, mindset, uh, the more money that continues to go into Bitcoin and, and the market in general, uh, the higher the prices are going to get. And so as far as like as far as its current price and where it's at, I feel like we're going to have another big spike because I think at some point the general public is going to start to realize a little bit more what Mark was talking about Um and start to realize the uh, the benefits that blockchain is going to get. Uh, I know the first time when it started uh, rising, I know it got a lot, a lot of government pushback. And that was a lot of, uh, um, I guess, what brought about the big dip that happened at the time. But I think, I mean, even the United States has started to... Uh, um, move a little bit more toward crypto. You see big companies like overstock.com starting to accept Bitcoin as a payment. And so oh, yeah. I think we're slowly moving that direction. And as uh, I guess as general acceptance starts to grow, I think the market crap, uh, the market cap is going to uh, continue to shoot up. And as far as where that sits with us, uh, obviously as Bitcoin moves currently, uh, the rest of the market moves with it, which I think at some point needs to change a little bit. Because it's not, I mean, you, you don't want to be a company like you, Mark, uh, who's running Zen Sports. And just because Bitcoin dips, that means that that your company is going down as well with it, uh, which is a little bit annoying. And alts do run a little bit differently. But I think, I think there's a few things that are going to change with that in the coming years. I want to hear your thoughts on that, I guess. Yeah. So, uh, so at the government level, I agree with you hundred percent, especially let's focus on the SEC here. Cause that's really the big government, uh, oversight body that is really responsible for crypto since it is a financial instrument, a little bit, the CFPP, but mostly the SEC. Um, 
So the ICO initial coin offering craze of 2017 really mostly, in my opinion, did get quashed by the SEC, basically telling all of these companies, you didn't sell utilities like utility tokens, like you said you were selling, you sold securities because you you were promising returns, you were promising an investment, uh, et cetera, et cetera, right? And so what that did was it put a big scare into any kind of new projects that were coming along that wanted to do an ICO because it basically said, hey, you can't do this or you're going to get in big trouble, like not just, you know, a fine, you're going to get, you know, possibly go to jail and stuff like that. So that's when you saw, like I was mentioning before, kind of probably by about mid 2018, summer 2018, the ICO craze really stopped. I mean, I mean, kind of stopped around May 2018, but really in the summer 2018, you basically saw it stop. And then, of course, as we mentioned, six months later, Bitcoin, you know, hit the all time low. Um, and then it started to, to spike back up again last year. And along with that, though, you have seen a big, um, you know, kind of general acceptance and the groundwork by the SEC being laid out to support the tokenization, both of securities and utility tokens. So a couple of things there. So um, SEC came out in what I believe it was May or June of 2018 and said that Bitcoin and Ethereum are utilities. So we're good there. I think that was pretty obvious. Um, and again, separate podcasts of what makes utility versus a security. We, we can do that later. Um, but then they started to lay the groundwork for other projects to have utility tokens saying, hey, you know, if you're creating a network um, that these tokens can be used for and there's true utility value in these tokens being used for something tangible, not being used as an investment vehicle for gains and returns controlled by somebody else, which is part of the Howey test, that, yeah, you can, you can use these tokens, but you just can't be selling them to investors and then using the proceeds of that to run operations. That's, that's an investment. That's a security. Okay. So, um, I, you know, I think that's a, a really, really, um, awesome, like segue into kind of what we're doing with, with Zen sports specifically, because we do have a utility token. So I want to talk about that because I think this kind of shows a use case for, or how can you do things the right way and still, you know, uh, not run afoul of the law and still provide an amazing experience for customers. So, uh, last summer, we launched a utility token uh, called Sports that um, was launched about uh, six months after our product launch. So we already had the network established. People were creating and placing bets in our product. And then the token launched and was being used in network for placing bets, creating bets, earning rewards, whatever. And any tokens sold by us were never used for proceeds for operations and were strictly used for people to bet on within our app. And then they could cash back out uh, with us. Um, and Zen Sports takes a marketplace fee, which is completely separate. But the bottom line is there's true utility value there. And so going back to your point a few minutes ago about adoption, I think it still comes down to that. It's You've got to show true utility value both to the customer and the merchant vendor, whoever's on the other side of the transaction. Absolutely. There's a legitimate reason for those cryptocurrency transactions. So what are your thoughts about, well, I mean, you can talk about Zen Sports, but you can talk about any of the real world applications you think about, but showing real utility value for something beyond just being some. No, I, I mean, that's exactly it. I think, I think another reason that for the decline was, I think a lot of, uh, I guess you could say investors who got into crypto and started looking more into it, started to realize that 
a lot of the products out there weren't really products. They were just, they, I mean, they were essentially just concepts that people were trading and putting like real money into for legitimately no reason. And so, I mean, to touch on Zen sports, I use Zen sports literally every day. Like it, it's something that I use in my day-to-day life. I, it's, it's something that is working is an actual product that is running on the blockchain. And so I think you're right. As far as adoption goes, the more companies that can come out and give consumers an opportunity to use blockchain in the, in the real world and something that they would normally do in their day-to-day lives, but potentially make it a little bit easier. And I mean, a little more fun and a little more uh, practical in the case of Zen sports, uh, then it's something that is going to start to open people's minds uh, to the concept of blockchain. So, I mean, the more companies provide practical use cases, the more the, uh, the sphere is going to grow, I guess you could say. Right. And, you know, it's funny. So as a kid, I always would, would go to Chuck E. Cheese with my, you know, parents or friends or families or whatever, and you get tokens, right, to play the video games. Yeah. And it was really kind of the same concept, right? You know, you get this token that was used in this network at Chuck E. Cheese, it just happened to be, and you could use it for, for uh, uh, playing games, and then you could use those uh, tickets uh, from the games to then go get prizes. And the whole system just worked because, you know, it, it, it was branded. So, you know, you, you felt like it was part of everything that you were doing there. Um, it, it had a very clear use case of it um, from the from their side, from Chuck E. Cheese's side. Hey, once you bought the tokens and you had to use them for something practical, so it was good for business. It, it kept you in there using it, kept you in the network versus just taking your money and going somewhere else and uh, leaving and going uh, somewhere else to, to buy something. Um, and then you could you could earn you know uh, basically rewards from that, which is prizes. And so, like for example, we do the same thing in Zen Sports, where you can use sports tokens to not only create and accept bets, um, but you can use it to earn discounts on betting fees. You can use it for uh, getting cash back on uh, on your bets, and you can use it for other promotions and rewards, referral bonuses, and other promotions and rewards that we do. So, um, and I think it kind of gamifies the whole thing. Right. I mean, I'd like to get your thoughts on this because so for in the case of Zen Sports, and I, I almost kind of feel like this is like proving ground because we offer the ability to bet in dollars and we offer the ability to bet in sports tokens. And almost 100 percent of all the bets in our app are done through sports tokens. So what is the reason why you gravitate towards using the tokens? I'm just I mean, I kind of know the reasons why, uh, you know, just from our perspective, why it makes sense. But I'd love to hear from your perspective, you know, why? Why is betting in sports tokens, for example, within Zed Sports, more preferable than betting with dollars, even though you could do either one? Um, I think a few different reasons for me. One, uh, one is because I'm a believer in the product and I want to continue to grow uh, the amount of sports tokens that I have because I'm a believer that it is going to continue to grow as a company and that it, like, it, it, all in all, it's still an investment for me at the same time. And so I'm, I, I mean, at this point, I'm a bigger believer in, in where Zen sports is right now compared to, to the dollar. I think it's going to probably oh, sorry, let me interrupt you there. So do, do you look at almost like the token as almost like a collectible, like baseball cards or yeah. garbage? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. And so that's what it is. I try to accumulate more. Uh, uh, so the more I get and that uh, every time I'm betting, it's like, it's like I want to just accumulate more and more uh, sports tokens. So, I mean, from an investment standpoint, I I just hold on and bet those because, like, 
I care more about them than I care about a dollar at this right. point. And so, I mean, the other thing is obviously, and you guys have said this, but I, uh, I mean, just due to the fact that it's, it's the utility token for the app, uh, the betting fees are less. And so it also just makes more sense to bet with those. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I like that concept of like a collectible um, because, you know, so while we don't sell it as an investment, you know, we sell it as a, as a utility means to use our product, but then you can, from your own concept, go, hey, like this can be a collectible that can, um, you know, be something that's valuable someday. And I think also, you know, one of the things I'm hearing too is <clears throat> you want to continue to grow your, um, you know, presence, if you will, within the network and, uh, and have more of a stake in the network and the product and be more a part of what's going on here. Whereas if you're betting with dollars, that really doesn't like do anything for you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I feel the same way about it. That's awesome. So from our perspective, um, so I, I, we, we fully agree with that. And, and so, uh, from a, a like a Zen sports, you know, company perspective, we've seen the loyalty and the retention that we get from customers. Just, I mean, literally, literally 10 X, um, over the last six months since we launched the utility token. I mean, and that honestly, is- once you, once you do a sports bet in Zen sports, it's hard to do it anywhere else. I was in Vegas this past weekend and it was, it was kind of boring. <laughs> right. Because I mean, okay, yes, you're happy to win money if you bet and win, but there's no extra anything you get besides that. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, it's the, I mean, the other boring part about it is, I mean, you kind of know what things are going to be. Uh, Zen sports is like, the coolest part about it, we haven't even touched on this yet, but I mean, it's a decentralized sports betting. And so anybody can go on there and create their own bet at their own odds. I mean, Vegas is always, and, and I mean, not only Vegas, but any other of these uh, like sports betting, like websites or companies are going to always try to favor things in, in, uh, in something that's going to benefit them. Whereas this, it's like, you have random people it's kind of back when I was like in high school, uh, there could be like, it, it could be a random game. And just because my friend was a fan of this team, he's willing to do like 50, 50 odds with me, even though the team that I like is way better. And so like you see that sometimes and it makes an aspect that's really fun. Like I can go on there and create a bet that no other sports book in the world has. And I can go post it to the telegram or, or whatever it is. And somebody can go on there and accept that bet at odds that I chose. Like one of the craziest things that I did, and I like this is just a funny story about those is is somebody obviously I don't know who it was. I, I was happy about it, uh, but last Super Bowl they posted uh, three to one odds that Gronkowski would fumble in the Super Bowl, and uh, I was like, I was like, man, he's gonna get like five or six touches max, and he is not gonna fumble in the Super Bowl. So I went and maxed that one out, and on a hundred dollar bet, I won three hundred dollars. Uh, and it was just because like, like people are just doing some really like crazy, like cool things on there and putting on what they think they should be at. Yeah. And, and so let's, that's, that's awesome. So let's use it as a segue to t- kind of talk about sports betting and then we'll finally tie everything in all together. So, uh, so on the sports betting side, um, you know, first of all, just, I mean, you know, huge market. We, we know this because of course we've run the numbers by running a sports betting app, um, so it's about $120 billion in revenue worldwide. Um, the uh, betting volume is, let's just call it 10 times that uh, since most bookmakers, traditional bookmakers charge about 
10% for their betting fees. Um, so, I mean, so, you know, well over a trillion dollars is wagered on sports every year um, and huge, huge money, uh, you know, taken by traditional bookmakers. But it's just, it's just unbelievable to me that there's still this middleman who is basically a paper pusher and money pusher moving money between people. I mean, why, why I just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm taking 10, nine, 10, sometimes 11%, sometimes more for just the privilege of, of managing that quote unquote book. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm, this is one of the reasons, of course, we started this company. I'm just flabbergasted that that is still a thing. Like I'm flabbergasted that this person or entity exists that has to be there to move money. Can you talk about why you think they exist? Like what your experience has been with book, traditional bookmakers, um, you know, and what you kind of, what, what would you like to see, you know, be done differently? Uh, well, yeah, first off, I can touch it. I know you love betting on sports. Yeah. So, I, uh, I mean, going back to my Vegas thing, it's like, it's like they, they set odds, uh, that a game should be at what, what they think is going to make it an even game. So like, like, let's say the jazz were playing the bucks and obviously the jazz would be favored by about 10 to 15 points. <laughs> Just All right. So we got to get this out of the way. So, uh, Jess is a huge jazz fan and I'm a huge bucks fan and he keeps having this delusional thought that somehow <laughs> the jazz are going to make the finals. He thinks the bucks will too, but he thinks the jazz will somehow crush the Bucks in the NBA Finals this year, and I just don't see the Jazz getting past the first round. <laughs> hey, hey, honestly, you may be right about that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but I, I mean, I mean, just to give an example, uh, the Bucks—if they played the Jazz today—they'd be probably favored by seven or eight points, uh, and that would be Vegas's uh, thing about making that an even bet for people. Uh, where on the Zen Sports app, I've been a little bit spoiled because that's at plus 100 odds, which means if you bet 100, you're going to win 100 back. When I was in Vegas, no matter what the odds were set, it was at negative 110, which means if you bet 100, you win 90. And so I was super annoyed by that because it's like, yeah. And, and to answer your question about the reason why I think they exist is first off, I think the reason they exist is trust going back to what blockchain does the best. Uh, because I don't think if, if I'm making a bet with a random dude or even a friend, you always worry about them paying up, which a lot of times they just don't. And so if you're doing the bet with a, with like a bookie or, or a casino or whatever it is, then you know that at least what you bet you're going to get paid, even if the odds aren't necessarily in your favor. A lot of people just like to do it. And so going back to the blockchain thing, like I think the reason they exist is because of trust. But at the same time, they're doing a lot of things to the point where they shouldn't necessarily be trusted. The people just trust them more than they trust a random person making it making a cash bet with them. And so they're currently... Uh, I mean, as it sits, one of the only ways to place bets, which is why I think the concept of Zen Sports and the ability to like catch a huge portion of the market cap of sports betting is like truly there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. You're really paying for the um, the uh, assurance that you're going to get paid. That's what the fees is basically coming down to: is that you're guaranteeing yourself to get paid. Yeah, and of course, Zen Sports. We, I mean you're guaranteed that as well too, because everything is uh, decentralized and escrowed um, as part of the entire process. So um, yeah, so exactly. So I think it's a, Hey, this is how it's always been done. And everyone feels comfortable that they're going to get paid versus like betting with friends or betting with some random person you don't know. Um, and so you're paying for, you're paying up 
for that privilege to be guaranteed um, um, to get paid. Um, but I mean, you know, I just, you know, I, and obviously, you know, again, this keeps going back to why we did what we did with Zen Sports is, um, you know, is, is removing that middleman, using technology to remove that middleman, using technology to basically act as a middleman. Yeah. And, um, and I think that that is really the future because look, I mean, I don't know. I, I just, millennials and Gen Z, they don't want to be freaking going to some, I mean, it's fine if they're in Vegas, they're, they're okay with going and placing a bet. But other than that, I mean, what are they going to do? Drive to their local tribal casino and place a bet? Are they going to, uh, I mean, go with some offshore bookmaker that again, you have to worry there. Are they, are they going to get paid um, or not? And you got to deal with all sorts of other issues. So it just feels to me like millennials and Gen Z, and you're a millennial, right? Yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to put up with the way it's been done. I, I just can't see, you know, you know, millennials and Gen Z saying, "Oh, yeah, we're cool with bookmakers. We're cool with." No, I, I mean, to be honest, like, like just to go along with your point you're making, like, I probably wouldn't sports bet at all if it wasn't for this. I do when I go to Vegas, right. but I go to Vegas like once or twice a year. Uh, other than that. I don't want to have to put in the crazy amount of work it is to get it, like money into these offshore accounts, like cashing out. You hear horror stories with that. And right. I mean, it's just crazy. If it wasn't for this, I, I probably wouldn't be doing it. So, I mean, that's, that's answer your question. Right <laughs> okay. So let's, let's use that as kind of the final segue to tie sports betting and crypto blockchain together here. So let's first start with the, with the current pain points of uh, let's forget the brick and mortars for a second because we know, hey, when you're in Vegas, it's fine. You're, you're fine with with betting uh, with those guys, even though it's kind of still a shitty experience with paper and cash and everything. But let's say we're talking about traditional online uh, sports books that um, you know that you would want to place bets with. Um, so whatever those might be, and let's talk about some of those pain points here. So uh, I'm going to highlight a few of them and I want to hear your thoughts on this. So one is getting money in, right? So most of those online offshore sports books, you have to either wire money in or use a credit card and there's very limits. There's, there's low limits on that or high fees that come with that. Um, a few of them accept Bitcoin deposits, but not many. Um, and you just have these issues where it takes forever to get money in and there's high fees and there's limits. And then, of course, uh, the, the, the crappy odds that you talked about, where it's minus 110 just for even money bet, that's ridiculous. Basically, that's a 9.1% that's a fee for no reason at all. Exactly. For no reason. And then the last and final thing, which is, well, actually, there's two more things. The, the third thing is the fact that they are always going to resolve disputes in their favor. So if there's an issue, they're always going to rule in their, in their favor. And then the final thing is getting your money out, right? So, you know, you got to have trust that they're going to give you the money. They're going to, you got to trust that they're going to give it to you in a reasonable and timely manner. I, I was um, reading a story the other day. Uh, there's one of them uh, where it, like you put a certain amount of money in and you, you like have, you have to bet this amount of money before you can even cash out. So it's like, that's, that is not up front. So as far as transparency goes, that's not up front right. putting the money in. But then when you try to cash out, it's like, Oh, Hey, by the way, you got to do X before you get to, get to cash out here. Right. So they have really high, yeah, they have really high rollover requirements. They have like two X, three X, four X, sometimes five X rollover requirements. I mean, that's just absurd. I mean, that's absurd. You have, to, I mean, I mean, even the best sports bettors aren't going to necessarily get, you know, the, the bet, their bets, right. Two, three, four times in a row. Um, I mean, that's just, it's just ridiculous. Um, and then I don't know if you remember if you read about this, but if not, go check it out. So about a year and a half ago, uh, FanDuel 
misprinted the odds for one of their, I believe it was college games. And um, I think it, they misprinted it to be, I want to say 70 to one instead of seven to one, or it might've been 700 to one instead of seven to one. Anyways, the bottom line is guy won like 70 or $80,000 and they refused to pay him out because they claimed that they misprinted the odds. And I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, this is your problem, your fault. You have to pay him out. Now they eventually did because of the huge, they got a huge PR backlash from it. So they eventually paid him out. But if there hadn't been all that PR backlash, they wouldn't have done it. And so, you know, with a decentralized system, you never have to worry about that. You never have a middleman saying, yes, this is true or no, it's not. The decentralized smart contracts, the decentralized network always resolves things in the correct way and the fairest way and the most transparent and trustworthy way because it's decentralized and doesn't have a guy, old guy in a back room saying, yes, we're paying this out or no, we're not. Exactly. Yeah. And, and you see it. Uh, you, do you want to explain how that happens with, uh, with Zen Sports? I think it's pretty cool. Sure. Yeah. So what we do with Zen Sports is, um, so in makers and takers, and that's what we call them, just like a trading system, if you will, but there's makers and takers of bets. So makers are the ones that create the bets. Takers are the ones who accept the bets. So the makers, the person who creates a bet is actually, believe it or not, responsible for submitting their own results. And so, you know, people's natural reaction would go, well, why does the maker just always say they won? So what we do is we withhold a small escrow fee in addition to the bet amount from the maker. And the amount of the escrow fee depends on whether you're betting in sports tokens or dollars. And um, when you submit results, if you submit results that the taker won, you automatically get your escrow fee back immediately. If you submit results that you yourself won, uh, the taker has 24 hours to dispute those results. If they don't dispute the results, you get your escrow fee back. If they do dispute the results, then they have to submit an escrow fee as well. And then it goes to the marketplace to vote on. And the marketplace is always going to vote correctly because they get half of the losing side's escrow fee as long as they vote along with the majority. So they are always going to vote along with the majority because they know what the, or they're always going to put the right score in because they want to vote along with the majority. And then they're going to get half of the losing side's escrow fee as a result. And the losing side, the maker, the taker that lost the dispute, they lose their entire escrow fee. We have almost no disputes go through the app because that escrow fee acts as a preventative measure where makers, they wanna get their escrow fee back. They don't wanna lose their escrow fee uh, or, or not get it back. And so because of that, it just is this amazing uh, penalty and reward system that works flawlessly um, and, and is fair. I mean, you, I mean, you don't have some guy, uh, you know, saying yes or no. What's also, what's also nice. Everything you see in the app is, is what it is. I mean, if, if something is, if somebody types in 701 odds, well, that's what you get. You get that. I mean, there's no, there's again, that immutability factor that we talked about with blockchain is, is prevalent is exactly what happens in our app as well too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I can, I can even back that up because over the hundreds of bets that I've done on there literally have never had one dispute even come up. Yeah, I, yeah. And the couple of times it's happened, it's been like a clerical error. Like the maker just submitted accidentally. They just typed in the wrong thing. Um, and that, you know, that that's going to happen, uh, I guess from time to time, but that's very, it's very, very rare. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, no. I think uh, just the overall functionality of the app right now, like, yeah, in my opinion, it's as good as it gets. Uh, I'm just excited for, for adoption to keep happening and we can get some more bets on there too. Yeah. And so I want to kind of talk about um, just to wrap up here, like, um, you know, a, a couple of futuristic things, 
you know, that, um, that I'm seeing and just want to get your thoughts on them as well. So, for example, with Zen Sports, our goal is for the sports token to not just be used for betting in our app. Our goal is to expand that beyond just the Zen Sports network and expand it into the entire sports industry ecosystem and network. So think of this. Think of using sports tokens to go on NBA.com and buy your player's favorite jersey, then using sports tokens to go on StubHub or SeatGeek and buy tickets to the game. Then when you get to the game, using your sports tokens to buy a hot dog and a beer. Then, of course, using sports tokens to bet in the game uh, or bet in the app uh, while at the game um, and, and so on and so forth. Right. So, I mean, like, you know, if you have this loyalty reward system and currency system set up um, that is working like interchangeably with all these different partners within the ecosystem, that's really, I think, what the end goal here is, because that's what drives people, what drives loyalty. And it's what gets people to, um, you know, be excited about, you know, using something new. So I'm curious, what are your thoughts on that concept of, of even being able to use sports tokens beyond just in the Zen Sports app, but say, for example, like using it across an entire ecosystem? No, that's amazing. Like it, it goes back to the concept of, of having just, a, uh, I mean, your Chuck E. Cheese concept of having like the, the ecosystem of the coins. And if it's, if it has even more of a use case, uh, I mean, the more use cases, the better it is. So if you're using that across the entire sports ecosystem and maybe like, like, I don't know, this may be like stretching here, but maybe like you mentioned NBA.com, like, like maybe down the road, it's like, if you use sports, you get five to 10% off or something like that. And then it, then it actually becomes a real like reward case where you're wanting to collect as many of these can. Cause if you spend them in this way on these things, you're actually going to get rewarded for doing so. Right. And unlike airline miles, where you pretty much have to use it with just one airline, I know there's a few partners that allow you to use it. You know, that's a really closed ecosystem. Whereas, like, I, I think cryptocurrencies, because, I mean, airline miles, like, it's it's just a number on a website, right? Or a number on your phone. Whereas cryptocurrencies is actually something tangible. It's a digital, um, you know, utility, right? Mm-hmm. And so you can see it online. Um, it's transparent, as we've talked about. It's something that you can cash out if you want. You can sell them. You can buy them. Um, and, and so it's tradable. Uh, and so I, I think the, the value in that alone, um, forget points. Somebody cares about points. Somebody cares about miles. People want something tangible. I think cryptocurrencies gives people that way so more than any other kind of loyalty or rewards program that might exist for any industry for that matter. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Awesome. Well, uh, so we're a little a uh, little bit past an hour here, and so we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up. Um, this was awesome. I mean, this was a this was a really great uh, first episode. Uh, I think this went well. Um, had a lot to chat about. Um, I think this is very informative for those that are you know kind of getting their feet wet into crypto and blockchain and sports betting, um, and just interested in new technologies. Um, so yeah, any, uh, any other thoughts? Uh, I don't think any other thoughts. This was, I, uh, I mean, it was enlightening. I think just the, I think just the fact that I, like when people are getting into crypto, I think, I think stuff like this is truly going to, uh, open up people's minds about it. I think the people who are currently closed off about the idea of crypto, whether, whether the fact they're uneducated about it, or they think the volatility is scary. I think the more that products like Zen Sports come along 
and actually prove the usefulness of crypto, I think it's just going to move not uh, obviously not just the crypto space forward because it will, but I think it'll move the world forward yeah. because I actually think crypto is a great thing. Blockchain is something that that is going to build trust among among people and and like countries, and I think it's awesome. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I, we haven't even talked about like I mean, it could fight things like oppression and wars and all that other kind of stuff because you're not centralizing the money and the power into the control of one or two or three people's hands. And instead it's, it's available to anybody and everybody. Exactly. Um, so cool, Jess. Uh, well, amazing first episode. We are definitely going to have you back on again. Um, glad you could join us and uh, definitely chat soon. Awesome. Thank you, man. Hey, thank you for all the work you put in.